1: Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a AM member FDSE. Hi, everybody. It's Russ from MyHammer's Eleven. I hope you're all safe and well. If you're new to the channel, please consider subscribing and hitting the bell notification so you're notified, obviously, of uh, any time we've got new content coming out. Lots of great guests. I know I say that every episode, but it's very, very true, including today's guest, you'll You'll recognize him he's obviously at the moment he's he's the quiz master for the hammers at home quiz, which is getting a I like, lot easier I like the way you
0: said at the moment like I might be getting kicked off any <laughs> minute
1: <laughs> at the moment because obviously <laughs> for, now. Would have, for now i mean you know the quiz the quiz the questions are getting easier aren't they they're they're less my, mastermind more sort of tipping point slash chase i think in terms <laughs> of', in terms yeah. of questions but also I, go on Chris come on
0: yeah. well, I, I don't want to pull back the curtain on the showbiz aspect of West Ham but I don't actually write the questions but they are I objectively getting a bit easier but that's because yeah. they were so hard in those initial weeks
1: they were they were uh, I mean you know we all know Rob does the <laughs> questions but
0: yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah <laughs> but I do I mean do tweet your abuse to Rob Pritchard, on yeah, Twitter,
1: Rob Pritchard you, yeah, yeah exactly yeah, yeah. he'll be linked in the description below um but also Chris does loads of other stuff obviously for those of you you remember when we had live football and we'd had you know we'd play at a stadium um at the London stadium Chris was the um he's one of the match day presenters there and obviously does all the half time games and you know I prefer batak I love the beat it, the beat it <laughs> Batac, to be honest. Surely it's missed. quite funny they're kissing me and just watching them actually getting zero. Um
0: I but I missed I said beat beat the Batak after the last time it was done. I said what I'd like to do is like just take you no know, it was on wheels. I'd like yeah. to wheel it out of the stadium is chuck it in the canal and they can just be there for
1: well, I, decades i nicked that idea for a conference i was running so like it was your idea i did not know that No, it wasn't my idea i nicked oh, right. it back so i saw it i thought that's great so i got one made up and apparently i was talking to the guy who and it was the same sort of board yeah machine board now you call it as a as a thing but basically the the top score he'd ever seen was 70 something and it was by jensen button because they use yeah. it for reaction stuff and like you know we get we get a season ticket get older, come out and get five or whatever, you know, just <laughs> silly Jensen also, button
0: should have gone down the hammers and applied. He should do, he should it Cleared do. up.
1: He would have, he'd have got that sort of, uh, that whatever the, 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 prize was a signed shirt or something like that. Sad. But also Chris does loads of other stuff, you know, he's obviously podcasts. Quickie Kevin, Willie score podcast with Josh Willick and Michael Muzzin. Absolutely cracking, honestly, you know, there's nothing decent on the telly to watch. You've all watched Tiger King now. Crack on with that because it's men- It's brilliant, particularly for my yeah. era and Chris. All 90s football, absolutely amazing. Obviously, the new one, Footballer's Guide to Football, with our very own Colton and Marlon, which is brilliant. Get some cracking guests on there, obviously. Colton yeah. and Marlon's uh, phone book. Um, and so,
0: yeah. <laughs> I know, it's been opened up. We've got Joe Cole on next week. that would be oh, exciting. I've already, him. already recorded it. It was great. Yeah, so yeah lot of fun that
1: that'd be great that'd be great um yeah it's chris skull by the way if you hadn't realized what an intro <laughs> what an intro god it took three and a half minutes but doesn't matter. <laughs> <laughs> that's the worst but anyway and also for those who don't know obviously me, me and chris we, we technically work together at West Ham, but we've never actually met
0: i know never in, in real life mental, Only i
1: know because chris is down but we there, still haven't
0: met people. technically have we we'd like this isn't
1: this is like, yeah, this is like a weird sort of Zoom first date. I, I think I'm going to get Fred from the restaurant come in and yeah. and see what I want for my drinks order. But yeah,
0: yeah, and I and I already feel like I'm going to go for a second date. I'm more, I'm in. Do
1: you know? What, I think maybe I'm even out. third
0: base. Who knows?
1: <laughs> oh no! Wow. Uh, both our wives are on meetings next door, by the way. So, <laughs> so yeah. Um, anyway, so yeah, I know this. Obviously, got nothing currently to talk about in terms of football at the moment. So it's all about memories and also going through and talking about sort of your Hammers 11 as well. So we've got lots of different people all over the world, lots of different ages. And so it's really nice to get all these stories together. Um, so, so for you, Chris, obviously, you know, massive West Ham fan, we all know that. What would you say would be sort of your, your earliest memory of West Ham?
0: Uh, undoubtedly, Bobby Mordyne. That was that, that was around that was just around the time I first started going to the games. And i yeah, yeah. But it's, it's funny. I was thinking the other day, like, I, I vividly remember the first time I came out the West Stand Lower where I was sat, and you just see that green pitch was so bright, like being on acid or something, it was so vibrant. <laughs> and then yeah i remember that it was in february so obviously everyone's in dark grey overcoats and just the sadness yeah. and the smell of cigarettes kind of wafting across the, the terraces and they brought out that floor on number 6 so yeah. that i've been i've gone back over the season reviews and i've started yes. in 92 uh, So yeah. it's been so good to go back and i've been just i found myself just looking at old um, pictures of the south bank and the north bank and remembering the kind of the merchandise cabin that used to sit outside the west stand yeah and those crap little west ham united lights and how crap those stands used to be the west stand and the north and just sort of like pictures from around the ground and how like horrible it was and i just find myself missing that so much yeah it's true everything is so polished now the match day experience and that those like everything everything being a bit crap there's something i miss <laughs> about it there's little the <laughs> advertising hoardings and the kids behind the goals and yeah, the uh, the the pictures being disgraces, yeah. <laughs> like just
1: being and, absolutely yeah, exactly. bogged. I, I missed all that. I love I remember the it was the yeah someone did tweet a picture about the porter cabin, you know, and like yeah. I remember like porter cabin, you couldn't go in one way, and it was always like like this. It was really tight, yeah. and uh, yeah, you walked down that. You brought down sort of Green Street and you didn't know what meat was being cooked, but it was a nice smell, wasn't right. it? Hey, that
0: was the case in 2016. Yeah. That's not like yeah. Yeah. if you want dodgy meat, you can still go out there and find I'm it. Pretty sure you
1: can still find it, yeah, definitely. Um, but yeah, I it's mean, funny that that,
0: all, that porter cabin, like, I can still remember the smell. Do you remember yeah. the smell it was like yeah, plasticky, yeah. like a yeah. new shirt or something, like almost like the inside of a, a new car or something.
1: And yeah, had to just like point. that port cabin was so exciting. It was, because you, you had, like, you had to I remember... it
0: was behind the desk. Yeah,
1: can I have a look at out? that? And they'd, like, send out, you know, like, I don't know, like, a, one of those stickers, those long stickers you used to get. And you just look at it and go, no, I'm all right, thanks. Like, <laughs> <laughs> like a 50 p sticker, whatever it was. <laughs> no, brilliant. No, yeah. I know what you mean. I started the same season, and I went back and watched it. Because um, we've had Robert Banks on it, and, you know, he's... He's, he's trying really hard, because he keeps getting taken down on YouTube because it's not his content. Oh, really? Um, but yeah, ninety two, ninety well, three. Well, 93. Because I, I, I know Robert
0: Banks has put them all on um, YouTube. I wonder if I can claim any credit for that, because I, I emailed him and said, I really want to start watching all these season reviews again. You, you'd have the ninety two, ninety three, and So he sent it to me before they were on YouTube. Oh, but then, so I started watching, and then I saw him upload them to YouTube, and that just consumed my <laughs> lockdown. It's been so much fun. It's brilliant. Do you know what as well? Like the revisionism of history, I yeah. can't, there's some play, like I, I've met Ludo, lovely man, yeah. but he was not a good goalkeeper for us. I can't believe it in my head. I just think about the the kind of sky games under the lights where yeah, the Man United at the end of the 95, 94, 95 season where he's pulling off all these saves. When you watch a, a whole season of action, you just see the goals we're conceding. You're like, he's, he's, I think
1: he was the reason we were bad. <laughs> I never noticed
0: that.
1: I know. And I, I, I got, to be honest, I have a newfound respect for someone like Tim Breaker because yeah. in that 92 93 season, you know, and he was, and, and beyond, he come for, came forward quite a lot and, and was like, you know, he scored a few goals and, and stuff like that. And talking to players afterwards, like we had, we had Kenny Brown on here and a few others, And he was saying, yeah, he was the complete sort of footballer. You know, he was, and I never really thought of him like that. But I was like, he was, he was brilliant for us. But yeah,
0: no, Tim it. yeah. absolutely brilliant. So it's, much it's fun. Steve Steve Lomas, like yeah. you, you just said. I just find myself noticing how much better players, certain players, are than I remember. Tim yeah. it, Breaker, like you say, Steve Lomas is another one. You're like, wow, he's in the heart of everything. <laughs> well, Clive Allen, Clive yeah. Allen, I, I never remember Clive Allen being that good. But when you watch that '92 '93 season review, he's scoring every week. Yeah, I think his goals, his goals to game ratio is like one every two games or something like that. Mm. I mean, how how many times a West Ham at a striker who could score like that?
1: Yeah, I know. It's been amazing! It's, it's so brilliant. much fun so to so go back, funny. and also listen to Martin's commentary in a bit as well, is because he's like, like Mar- <laughs> Martin's oh, commentary, oh, my God, and God, look, yeah. he's brilliant. He's, he's so funny. I think it was. I think it was the 96 one or one of it. He was just absolutely crazy. I think he must have been on acid, bless him. But yeah, it's very funny.
0: <laughs> yeah. Do you know what? I watched the 92, 93 VHS when I was a kid, like religiously. Yeah. And I can remember pieces of commentary off by heart. And There's one game where we're playing, I think it's Oxford. And he pronounces Jim Magilton as Jim Magilton. And I I grew up thinking that Jim Magilton was a different player to Jim Magilton. <laughs> because he'd said the name wrong on his commentary. And when I watched it back, I was like, no, that's Jim Magilton. And now I can Wikipedia and like, no, he was playing in that game. So yeah. my whole life I've thought Jim Magilton was a set, like a different player. <laughs> I've just really I'm just just connected the dots. <laughs> the thanks, thanks that, Martin. Cheers, Martin, thanks. Been living a lie for years. it has
1: been living a lie, yeah. And he, he, and the thing is he, he always takes that so seriously in terms of the, uh, you know, he'll go to the press officer and get the the proper and, you know pronunciation for that player, but obviously. Yeah couldn't do it on the season reviews. Uh, I remember once we had, um, when, when Jeremy was doing it, we had, I think it was Mika Hyde um, would go up to him. He apparently went up to every commentator, every announcer would say, you know, cause he, they call him Micah. And it was Mika. He says, call me, it's Mika Hyde, not Micah Hyde. Like, oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, okay, mate. All right. You know, I had to wind him up then for pre-match then. Um, yeah. Anyway, so, so as I say, what we're doing, we're, um, we're doing your, your your hammers 11 um so what we do we put a few parameters in we try and keep it to a 442 that's not a problem for you and me um i mean i've before i started this channel i never knew what a left half was and i don't so think a left, I, I would say
0: a left half is if you've got three at the back yeah and you play you're just in front of where a left back would normally yeah. be yeah left is half
1: i think so inside forward <laughs> Um, it's like I have no idea, but 4 yeah. is pretty easy. No,
0: I've gone 4 4 so Good, we thank you, thank there. you.
1: Uh, the other one is you have to be alive to have seen them play. Yes, um, so that.
0: I didn't know that was a rule. But well, there I'm we go,
1: good, good. So, we, we obviously couldn't put in Bobby Moore, but we could put in Javier um, Moore, I guess. yeah, spoiler in case you have. <laughs> <laughs> <So>. <laughs> But, um, and it's your 11 so you can talk about whoever you want to talk about it does have to be okay. the best players it could be well, it's your players so it might be the people you love the most hated the most some to the most it doesn't really matter to be perfectly honest chris yeah. so for the skull 11 um who are we going to have between the sticks well i thought
0: long and hard about this and i think the attributes i want from a goalkeeper are that you just make me feel comfortable and I'm yeah. not sat on the edge of the, the edge of my seat or my heart is in my mouth at least once again. Which those rules rule out Adrian immediately, <laughs> even though lovely man, met him lovely. plenty of times. But I've gone for Rob Green. Yep. That that era, you don't I, I realize now I really took it for granted having Rob Green in goal because he was just such a safe pair of hands. He never really made many mistakes. I mean, he played for England in a World Cup. How many times have I, I don't think West Ham in their history have had an England goalkeeper in the in the World Cup. He was just fantastic. A steady hand on the rudder, never really like had many big rickets, made some fantastic saves and also he's a bit of a leader as well. You felt like he really cared and he would offer kind of. Decent, a, bit of, a decent bit of leadership in that dressing room where, where whatever team was around him. So Rob Green, for me, is, is, is our best goalkeeper yeah. we've ever had in my lifetime, looking back. Yeah. And I'm so sad he left after 2012. That was probably the, like, one of the saddest I've been, like apart from relegate, about a player leaving. After we yeah. won the playoffs in 2012, you're like, I felt like he was such a core component of that team. And he'd settled into being our goalkeeper so well And we had Jaskalainen come in after that, and he was never, never as good. Didn't tuck Hmm. his shirt in, for one. I know, he
1: was a very untidy player, wasn't he? Untidy. Just just gangly. Straight away. Long arms. He was just quite gangly, uh, weren't he?
0: Yeah. uh, But, uh, you know, a little mention for Bernard Lamar, was when he came in. I was like, wow, like, especially after the Ludo years, as I've just yeah. said, I can't believe how bad Ludo was in hindsight, like <laughs> <laughs> some of the goals, have a like a, if, it, if you're watching this and you're interested in YouTube, and a bit of West Ham history, have a look at Ludo's last game for us against Derby County, it's, it's the worst game any goalkeeper has had for us ever. The first goal he like, he passes it to the Derby defense, the second goal he can see is he like comes out, tries to punch it, misses by about a meter, and then they just knock in an open goal. You watch like Ludo comes out of goal and then in comes Craig Forrest, and straight away Craig Forrest is like much more capable. And then, yeah, then we had Bernard Lamar, who was just like on another level, making some unbelievable saves, didn't look like a goalkeeper, wore tracksuit bottoms. Yeah, rare thing these days, but nothing for me in the history of supporting West Ham comes close to the comfort I felt watching Rob Green between the sticks. Exactly.
1: Bernard Lamar, I remember him famously. I remember he came out of the game, you know, obviously everyone. When everyone came out you know green street was a nightmare for any cars that came up or down decided to about five o'clock and they'd get stuck wouldn't they in the traffic and and bernard lamar his car came out you know and and he couldn't move and they were literally play fans on top of the car singing you know we got bernard Lama, he smokes Marlboro Light, or whatever it was at the time, <laughs> um, and uh, and and he was like, you know, pumping his hand out there, and yeah, he was lovely. He's and, and I think um, no, I agree. Yeah, we haven't done too bad. I don't think for keepers, you know, it's like you got Greeno, David James, Fab, you know.
0: David James, I never felt comfortable with. Yeah, never really. I mean, you knew. I mean, he, David James would make eight world class saves in a row, and then it just go between his legs. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, you're like. I'd much rather consistency. I'd much rather agreed. just, you know. And then people say about Rob Green that he was a bit boring, or there's the stories about them being on the, like the away coach the games, the players would all be like, i playing a bit of cards, whatever, Rob Green would be reading the Financial yeah. Times. That's what you need to be personality-wise as a goalkeeper. goalkeeper, like boring, like just you, nothing, no hobbies, nothing going on in your life, just sat quietly at the back of the bus reading the Financial Times, not joining him with a banter. Is yeah. it like, it's so a Rob Green for me. He has all the the, t- the character types to be a fantastic <laughs> dog.
1: And he does have a bit you know, he's he's got a good a good bit of Twitter game. You know, he sort of he, he lords on the fact that, you know, he's he's a European cup winner now. Um <laughs> <laughs> What a way to put that. Us. I love that. Absolutely oh, no. brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. And he's quite funny on he Crouchy's had him on his his podcast and stuff, he's been quite funny. Right, okay, Greeno is in. Let's go for left back.
0: I mean i guess everyone's going to say this but julian dix yeah I, the terminator again it's been it's timely doing this for hammers 11 because you go back i've been going back like i say watch those season reviews and i mean that team he played in between like 92 and probably through to kind of 97 he was so much better than everybody else it's insane i think he was top scorer a couple of times yeah. he got double digit goals i know he's mm-hmm. taking penalties but The goal against Man City scores in the 95th, 95, 96 season where he marauds forward and just smashes the ball with the left boot. That 92, 93 season where we uh, go up in second place, he is just scoring goals for fun. But also you forget he had a lot of pace and he beat players, he was skillful. He could deliver like like really long passes and then just score goals as well. And then Mm. on top of all that, the leadership aspect, like just leading by example, absolute nutter. The fear he would put into opposition teams. He's one of those players that you, like, as a fan, you're so proud that they play for you because mm. you know he's going to give you everything in that yeah. shirt and you know how much it means to him. And like, when you will go back and watch him score those penalties in front of the Bobby Moore stand lower, how many players would score a goal like that and go right up to the fans and like punch the air? And the fans come over and kind of cuddle him. That happens loads of times. I think just literally the epitome of a talisman. Yeah. Like, I don't see how you could pick, how anyone could pick a West Ham Hammers eleven from the last 30 years and not have Julian Dix left back. Because he's a great shout for captain. He just epitomises everything about West Ham. Love him. Yeah, you're right. Although, honourable mention for Stuart Pearce, because when he come in, I remember when we signed him, I thought, here we go. Like, this is classic, like Paolo Futre is going to play two games and never hear him again. But yeah. Stuart Piers' hammer of the year, he was, he was unbelievable for us. Such a like Julian Dix was out, kind of out of the game by then with his knee injury, but Stuart Pearce came in like late on in his career and he just, he'd like had a lot of that Julian Dix character. Mm. What what a man to have around the dressing room. And I think he understood the fans. There's a lot of similarities, I think, between the kind of personalities Stuart Pearce and the mm. West
1: Ham fans. So he, he'd be on the bench for me in that left back position, but yeah. got to go with Julian Dix. Well, let's go with Julian, as you said, he pings him in and, and it, we've said it before. I, you know, I can't think of many, other left backs ever, not just West Ham, but ever, who had that effect on a team and a, and a set of fans. Do you know what I mean? It's like it, it would be one of his naughty tackles or a 35 yard yeah. pinger into the corner or a penalty, and he would just galvanize a team from left back.
0: No, yeah, it's not the most I know,
1: I know, absolutely mental. But yeah, Julian... it's, it's
0: funny you say that about left back because I kind of grew up thinking left back was the best position on the pitch because yeah. not only was Julian Dix like the best, like. The best player for us when i first started supporting my stand. but you think about england as well at a national level like graham Asso, so Stuart pierce yeah. it was it was hard to get into that that team it was like left really back we had so many good left backs as a nation around that time so i kind of grew up thinking like left back was like a really core component of any formation <laughs> I was really like stilted because of all these amazing players we had especially at west ham
1: yeah June. especially yeah you know and because of that June never got the the england recognition which i think everyone Assumed he would do it 96 and they, they yeah. said, Oh, yeah, you know, bald head, so we weren't going to pick him and stuff, but yeah, all right, we'll put Dixie on the left. Um, other people we've had, we've had Razvan rat he's appeared in this That's 11, <laughs>
0: <laughs> Vlad- Vladimir, Le- like a marketing brochure, 11,
1: Vladimir LeBant, Ram- um, he was in there as well, but yeah, Razvan oh. rat for the pure reason, Charlie Walsh, it pure reason of the selfie, uh, the, the onesie, the onesie picture with, yeah, yeah. yeah. Unbelievable. So, <laughs> Right. Okay. So, but Dixie on the. But let's go have a. Let's go for right back then, Chris. Who have we got on the right back
0: then? So, right back for me, it came down to two people: Sebastian Schemmel or the person I've gone with, Glenn Johnson. I think Glenn Johnson. That that 2002-2003 season was was amazing towards the end. It was a real kind of proto great escape, and we we played unbelievable towards the end of that, and especially that run where Sir Trev came in and we almost pulled it back ended up on 42 points. But the the biggest component, the the change that happened in that team was that Glenn Johnson came in, I think 18 18 years of age, he came into that team and he was sensational for six months. And you knew he cared so much about West Ham. You knew he was from the academy. And I think it's one of the greatest tragedies of that 2002, 2003 season. And of all the seasons I've supported West Ham, that is the one that hurts the most by a country mile because of the tragedy of what happened to that crop of fantastic young players who we genuinely could have kept on to. Mm-hmm. And if you have a look at what Glenn Johnson went on to achieve with England and, and with Liverpool, he should have been doing that for West Ham. And it was that cruel little twist of fate that a couple of didn't go away Bolton that we, we missed out on him. Yeah. But no one back made a greater impression of, on me than Glenn Johnson did in that six months. And when I think about the best right back performances I've ever seen for West Ham, it has to be Glenn Johnson in that Mm. time period. He was sensational. He was way better than everyone else. And you could tell this man is going to play for England plenty of times, which he went on to do. And yeah, like I say, an absolute tragedy. But honorable mention for Sebastian Schemmel, who came in, I think we paid half a million for him. And he was just, again, unbelievable. One hammer of the year. And I I can't think of any right backs have won the hammer of the year since. But got to give my right back Glenn Johnson. Plus he'd have that pace. Julian Dix on one side, Johnson on the other. We're gonna, you know, we're gonna have those real gonna fullbacks bombing
1: on. Exactly, that's what everyone loves. Guardiola to see. style. Yes, what I like. Guardiola, that's brilliant. Right, okay, we'll put put Glenn in. Totally agree. I, I had, I'd, had, I'd have, I'd Shemmel in mind. That's just. Oh incredible. really? I think it was. A, I think it's a toss up, really, to be honest. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, Shemmel. But
0: Shemmel in that one season where he was good. <laughs> <It's just> like, <laughs> the season after he won Hammer of the Year, I think he was gone by Christmas. Yeah. he <laughs> like, was. You're like, <laughs> what has happened to you? I've never seen a, a, that was probably the starkest drop in form of a player, yeah. with the exception of maybe John Hartson,
1: yeah. of
0: any West Ham player, to go from Hammer of the Year to like, oh my God, you are rubbish in the space of six months. It was, but, it was.
1: Oh, no. yeah. Right, okay, put Glenn in. Uh, let's go sense back. So he's going to be your first sense back then, Chris. So. And this has
0: really been inspired through watching those uh, West Ham videos, those old yeah. season reviews. My first choice centre-back would be Rio Ferdinand. Yeah. You, you, you watch it, but you forget as well. How crap we used to be! Like love Steve Potts, but he was never a kind of a, a proper Premier League centre back. Mm-hmm. Colin Foster, players like that. I, I didn't. I didn't catch Alvin Martin in his glory years. When when I started watching West I was like, who is this old guy yeah, yeah. we've got? I don't. Same. I never knew the young Alvin Martin. But then you watch that team transition, especially around. I think it's the kind of 98, 99 season. That that summer of ninety eight when Rio's coming into the team and he beds himself in. And you can watch in those clips, those highlights, those season reviews. He is a world-class player and you mm. can tell it almost immediately. I don't think at the time I realized how good he was. And that, and everything changes around West Ham so quick, quickly around that 98 period of time when, when um, Rio gets in the team. You don't see that transition from the old world, Colin Foster, hack it up, the field stuff into someone like Rio. I didn't really notice it at the time, but going back. He is such a world-class defender and all that hype around him was genuine and real. And I mean, look at what he went on to do. Yeah, exactly. He, He was fantastic from a really early age. And the other thing I thought about Rio is, I think he benefited. I don't remember there being that much hype about him, not in the same way there was mm. about Joe Cole. Mm. He never had any of that pressure really. He kind of come through the team organically and was was known as a really good kind of 18 year old. So he never grew up with that shadow that was cast yeah. over him like Joe Cole was having to sign the contract on the pitch and going, "I oh, remember your grandkids will, will be able to say that you, that you were there the day Joe Cole signed his contract. He never had that pressure. And he was just sensational. He got to where he got to in the game just by being better than everyone else, having that dedication and having that skill on the ball that like defenders rarely have, especially at yeah. West Ham in that period of time. So, yeah, yeah Rio Ferdinand for Rio me. Rio's in. No Rio is in. Now. Yep, yep.
1: To- totally agree. Totally agree with Rio, as you said. Because um, was it was it ninety eight? Didn't he and Joe go and train? as they went as like a an auxiliary, like kids along with the England think, squad for the World yeah. Cup or something. I think something it was like ninety nine.
0: I think it was after we won the youth cup in ninety nine. Yeah. I think Keegan called up Joe Cole to train. Yeah. Even though he played a few games. But yeah, exactly. I mean they were on to something. Good.
1: They, they, yeah, yeah. <laughs> right, who's gonna partner Rio then? So, so I, I thought this about is.
0: this. It's fun like this is this was a tough decision for me for the other centre back. And because in in your mind's eye, there are some players who really stick out at that period of time. And I was like, are they sticking out because everyone else around them were, were crap? And I like I'd also put in this bracket Hugo Porfirio, because Hugo Porfirio was sensational when he came in, but that's because well he was probably arguably in quite a bad team. But I've, I've gone I've kind of gone with my heart on this and I've picked Slavin Village to go in centre back alongside Rio. Yeah. And I think that again, I think I can't remember Slav and Rio roughly came into the team at the yeah. same time, but that he was just so much better than anyone I'd ever seen before him. It was so calm, like he knew how to manage games. i would never really seen a defender control the pitch and act like that proper leader. I don't think we'd ever really had that before. He was able to kind of draw fouls. He was get forward. The thing about British I forgot was that he scored quite a few goals yeah. as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But he was just such a capable defender. And I remember when he went to the World Cup in 98 and seeing him in that semi-final, was it against France, Laurent Blanc, getting him sent off. But that was the first time I was like, wow, West Ham for a player who used to play, is now doing something like this on the world stage. I'd never, I felt so much pride. I think he might've left by that point, but he was the first player I really knew become like a global celebrity. Yeah because I missed out, I like, like I say, people in my generation missed out on the Billy Bonds, missed out on the sixties and all that. By the time you start supporting West Ham in the late eighties, early nineties, we're like a fucking, I <laughs> I'd say, we're like a yo-yo <laughs> club, like, like the merchandise kit, like, um, cabin and stuff like that. we are a Mickey Mouse team by the by the early nineties, yeah. and then within eight years we've got Slav and Bilic playing for Croatia in a World Cup semi final, and he is quality. Yeah, and again, I think it comes down to that that transition in the summer of ninety eight, the West Ham under Harry Rednapp change and become this amazing heavyweight club all of a sudden. Mm. You see, after that, we start finishing the top half of the table again, which would unimaginable a few years before. And the big part of that was Harry's ability to kind of find these foreign buys. And Slavin Bilic, I think was one of the finest of all of them, and it's just such a shame he left when he did. Yeah. And that's the thing about West Ham, especially in that era, and arguably even today, when you've got a player like that who sticks out so much, there's always that bit of sadness in your heart because you know, you know you're yeah. good for us. Yeah. And I, that Slavin Bilic was the first time I, re- I really became aware of players being too good for us. So I, I, I started sports. I started supporting West Ham just after Stuart Slater had gone. Yeah. So, and I think Stuart Slater was the one before Slaven Bilic, who was the player who was too good for us and, and left. So, that Slaven Bilic was the first player to really break my heart by leaving to go to Inverted commas, as a bigger club, yeah. Everton, where he just spent the next few years battling relegation and injury. So, exactly, exactly. should have stuck around.
1: Shame. Well, well, lucky he did, and he came back, didn't he? So, lucky he came back. Um, yeah, yeah he picked a good time to come back. Uh, he Got a couple of good players in, didn't he? And uh, yeah something not, not a bad la last, last season at Hudson <laughs> uh, park he had so yeah. yeah no i agree i agree and i think yeah and i'm pretty sure yeah i'm pretty sure they played together i'm pretty sure they were they were around yeah. the same time weren't they so and someone said on rio's debut that when he came on he came on for alvin martin it was his last game really someone, someone mentioned that yeah i don't know if it's true if it's Ships wrong someone mind. will tell me so that is proper <laughs> like sort of you know passing of the torch really isn't it yeah. right okay nice nice start okay let's let's go midfield chris who are we gonna have uh, left wing let's go left wing
0: so left wing again i thought long and hard about this and i've not gone for joe cole and I, well as, as we'll get on to i couldn't really find a place for joe cole in my, my formation <laughs> that was the problem for a lot most of his england career but i've gone with on the left hand side matty effrington oh yeah Matty effrington was the quickest player I'd ever seen play for West Ham up until that point. And his ability, just ping balls into the box, like expert crosses every time. I can't really, there's no one who's been able to, he could just do it every time. He was like mm. a robot, clip mm. a ball down the line and just ping it in effortlessly every time. And In that season, you know, in his era, we had like Harewood and uh, Zamora up front. He was just absolutely lethal. Yeah. And I I never understood, well, I do know why, you know, Everington left these rumors about gambling and I think he probably did need to get out of London but I think he was such a sensational player for us and so much pace and I think that's what you really need in any West Ham team yeah. the ability to cut through the I mean every team needs it but the ability to grab a ball and just race it up the pitch especially if you're a team like West Ham who's going to be kind of on the back foot against the top teams mm. more often mm. than not ability for Matt Effington to get a ball and just whip it up the pitch and get that cross in bang on every time sensational I mean after he left us, he would just damage us every time he played Yeah,
1: you for knew us. it yeah yeah yeah
0: but yeah i, I love Matt Effington so much I think he's my favorite left midfielder we've ever had, and like in my mind's eye he's the fastest one of the fastest <laughs> players we've ever had
1: well i think we i think there's there's a lost art now in you know typical wing play, everyone tries to be so. Guardiola and Klopp-esque you know play yeah. people on the left on the right so they cut in and score goals but there was something magical about a, a winger who could just said ping it in front beat the right back clip it in simple yeah. it's so it could be so simple football but uh yeah Matty good shout Matty yeah how many times has
0: Matty come up is that has he come up very often
1: first time I believe really yeah first time surprised by that. I've had laser a few times old Stan Lazaridis Oh, no. uh, but yeah, no, um, you yeah, know, Mark Keller.
0: <laughs> That's why <laughs> no, I love this. Two, fact, two very really frustrating it. players.
1: Matt Evington, for me, is just
0: excitement. Yeah. Like, that ability that he had to just... He, he scored lots of goals as well. forget that. How many the hatching against Wimbledon? I think it was. Yeah. He was such an incredibly incredible pacey player. I'd, I'd like, in my dream, West Ham 11, if I was to go watch this team, I would be so excited to see what Matt Everton could
1: do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and, and a sort of an in, in prime form of julian dix yeah. as well the overlapping be, be oh, quite special on, what a
0: dream left side that is for me <laughs>
1: <Yeah>. <laughs> right okay let's go other wing then let's go on the right wing then who've got right wing, chris
0: so this may be controversial i don't know how often this man's name has come up but i've gone for dimitri Payet. yeah I'm almost i'm always at there's a noticeable tinge of sadness in the way i say that obviously <laughs> but dimitri Payet is up there for me with the greatest West Ham players I've ever seen. He was on another level. The goals he scored, the way he dragged that team up by its boot laces, beating players free. I, mean, I remember there was a time towards the end of Upton Park where if we got a free kick outside the box, you would see people stand up and get their phones out every time. I've never seen anything like that. To have that ability. Like he just, he enraptured the whole stadium. He enraptured everyone who was a West Ham fan. The way we used to sing about him, I haven't really heard some like that kind of passion about many other players yeah. in the history of West Ham. And he was, he was there, he burned so bright and he was gone in a flash. But the time he had there, you were so excited for every game. Yeah. Every single game we played, if Payet's name was on the team sheet, you were so. I was so excited, and even now thinking about it, I'm, I'm getting excited. Yeah. West Ham have a video on uh, YouTube, I think, of Dimitri Payet, all his assists and goals for West Ham. It's one of my favourite videos to watch because yeah. he's he's a world class player. Sure. Got yeah. nominated for the Ballon d'Or. I don't. I don't think there's. A, I mean, Tim Breaker's not getting nominated for the Ballon d'Or. I think in the history of West Ham, and I don't can't think of. I mean, maybe probably more. I don't know. Back in the sixties, but in the modern era, to have a player as recently as twenty sixteen, he was nominated for the Ballon d'Or, and to score the goals he did, just watch. As if you like, any fans who were young and maybe missed out, missed out on that era, watch the goal he scored against Middlesbrough. He yeah. takes it around, it's like, it's it's a joke. It looks like it's a, like a comedy sketch. He takes it around to every player. Some players, he goes back and beats them again. I know and know. bolts it in. And you know, probably... and, and he wasn't playing particularly well when he did that. It, yeah. It's just insane. And that moment at Old Trafford where he scored the opening goal and that free kick, I was behind that goal. One of my most cherished memories as a West Ham fan. He was just sensational and excitement and just, everything you want as a West Ham fan in, in terms of like being able to look up to a genuinely world-class player. Yeah. He Payette is where I want West Ham to be as a club. Yeah. That is the kind of excitement I want week in, week out. And the yeah. fact we had that for a little bit is is brilliant. One of my favourite West Ham exactly. memories. And I can't and, leave him out.
1: No, exactly. And as, as you know, similar to the whole sort of slab thing, you know, it was the stars just aligned for that season correctly, you know, the right manager, the right player but let's just let him go and play and that's um, that's what you need i think you know someone like you know i think you can say that with, with, with joe you know joe was forced into positions where you know if he could have just played in a in a free role you know a pie you know he could have accomplished a lot more than, than people say he could have um yeah. but yeah no, no dimmy yeah totally agree most uh skillful player I've, I've ever seen at upton park and london stadium currently yeah <laughs> hopefully hopefully that will change um but yeah no i agree i agree and you know when people say oh the way he left and blah, 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 people forget how he came to us he did the same thing and you get that with those yeah. sort of mercurial players on acevic and things like that they throw their toys out they want to go and, yeah. and play for another club and um but yeah I, no, I, was, he was,
0: I was chatting to colton about this and he said french players that's french practice <laughs> like they said the moody you never know what they're yeah. thinking you never really know yeah, you know, what's going on in their head the, and I, I can
1: imagine that about Payet. Yeah, i never met no him. I but, can. Yeah. And he was, it was nothing of him, was it? A little, little stubby, little bloke, um, but he could just beat three players with dropping mm-hmm. a shoulder. He was an absolutely brilliant player. And as you said, I can't remember, um, although I remember someone saying, one of, the, one of the video guys at the club was saying they would video him and Lanzini doing free kicks and Lanzini had a better scoring ratio than Payet. Really? um yeah but i can't might be, i can't really did it but it was one of the west ham media guys um anyway <laughs> we're reading all the secrets today Chris. <laughs> uh, <laughs> right okay on the right let's go center mid who have been your first center midfielder then
0: so center mid holding role it has to be michael carrick yeah just uh it's funny that generation of west ham players because that at the time I, I definitely took it for granted yeah. how good all these players were and I I think I've said it on quickly, Kevin, but you just assume that they're going to keep coming through forever. And Michael Carrick was one of that whole generation. He was probably at the back of the list. He wasn't really talked about in the same way as Defoe and Cole and Lampard and Ferdinand. But I think now I look back and when I watch some of those videos and you look at what he did in his career, he was genuinely world class again. You only need to look at what he's achieved in the game to see. He was, for a long time, one of the greatest players in that role in the world. And I think he was great for us in that period of time as well. Go back and watch some of those um, those season reviews around the kind of 2000, 2003, for that season we were in the championship. He sticks out like a sore thumb because yeah that championship level of football is like brutal like really burly balls in the air a lot michael Carrick seems like he's got hours on the ball and you and you just that's because of his class you can't even really mm. you can't i can't tell you what he's doing but somehow he's got the ball in the middle of the park and he's spraying balls around you've got no idea how how he's doing it how he's finding the space and it's just, and again another tragedy of that two thousand and three season yeah. because if if we stay up and we, we like I think probably keep Harry Redknapp as manager if we're staying in the top half you build a team around players like Michael Carrick he was so world class he was so good for us he really loved the club and I think in, in my all time West Ham eleven. For players I've seen, I would love to have him at the center of that, that kind of defensive midfielder holding role, McAuley style, like he was in the, what would it have been, 03, 04 season, just finding the space, spraying balls man, around And some of these and made like, get it down the line from Matty Everton to chase on. He was such a great player for us. And again, I'm just, I'd am just i love to see him back in the West Hampshire in my fictional 11, because such a tragedy, the way he left and the manner he left and the, who he left for and the money that they paid for him. It, yeah. it, oh, it makes me feel sick. <laughs> And the other thing as well, that two thousand and four is it two thousand and four player final that we lost to Palace. He is fouled for a penalty. And I think I can't remember <laughs> who the ref is. Is it Graham Paul? And Graham Paul said it afterwards, "It was
1: Graham Paul, yeah."
0: He said he said to Michael Carrick in the tunnel afterwards, oh, "I should have given you a penalty for that." It's like, well, we lost the game one 0 If you given a penalty, we score goes to extra time. We may pull something out. We weren't playing great, but we could have got something. If we win that, you think Michael Carrick doesn't leave? And again, like if we go up in two thousand and four, that the whole world could be so different and michael carrick's west ham career could be so different another yeah. reason to hate graham pole uh, yeah so it's such a again that tragedy of 2003 and especially that playoff final
1: but michael carrick what a player definitely and i think he's he's a victim of when he was being born do you know what i mean it's like he came, if he was born i think a couple of seasons either way he would be in the same bracket you know i think he's so yeah. undervalued as a player um not just at west ham i think you know tottenham and man united i think he was very much under, it's one of those things, you know, when you, I'm a great believer of the adage, you know, you don't don't appreciate what you've got until it's gone. And that was so true of yeah. Michael Carrick. He tried so hard in that championship year, but it was almost like he was too good for that, that, that division as well. So it's like, oh, yeah. you know, it was just like, he would get beaten up. You can't up and, hang on to
0: it. It wouldn't be fair to his career because he was such a world-class footballer. Yeah. But Yeah. It's just an all-round tragedy. But I always think about Michael Carrick. Sir Alex Ferguson always played him if he was fit big yeah. games, whatever it was. Yeah. One of the greatest managers of the modern era believed in Michael Carrick. He got it. And, and when you understand the things he's doing, you have a look at Michael Carrick's stats. Mm. He, he is on a different level. And he's, he's doing it yeah. so effortlessly that I don't think as an average fan, you don't even realize he's doing it, but probably a bit like Claude Makélélé, Yeah. yeah, yeah. He's, put, he's actually pulling the strings on this game and you can't even see that because yeah. he, he makes it look so easy. Mm. He also oh, had that little know. turn where Players would come in like he would just do most. It was like half a John Monko. You no, know John Monker had that little kind of a Cruyff turn. <laughs> Michael Carrick would just somehow he would always be able to cut the ball just inside an on-rushing attacker. Yeah. I see it in my mind now. I never understood how Michael Carrick could do that, but again, it's just, he made everything look so effortless. He did.
1: No, he did definitely. And 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 on that on that that Crystal Palace playoff final, even I mean I don't do many even now, but when even, but for like years after that if I was DJing at a party or or something and someone would come up and say, Oh, can you play glad all over? I wouldn't play it because it's, it's, (laughs) it's it's ingrained in my head as this, I just, I could just see a a sea of yellow because they were all wearing the yellow shirts, weren't they? And then the glad all over. Was it Sweet Caroline as well? Did
0: they play Sweet Caroline? I, I feel like... Oh, I can't remember. Uh, we, uh, <laughs> we play it now. But that's right. I, mean. um, I would actually say, while we're on the subject, that that losing that 2004 player final is my worst moment as a West Ham fan. Yeah. I think... I, I remember coming out of that game and just feeling totally bereft. I felt sick. I, like, I didn't... I, I was in Cardiff. So obviously, in Cardiff, I didn't want to come back to London. I was just like, no. I just want to walk the streets. It, <laughs> it hurt so much to lose. Like, it was a scrappy game. I think after Ooh. the way we played in the semi-final against Ipswich, yeah. I've spoken to players about it and they said they were probably too cocky. We played so well in that second leg against yeah. Ipswich under the lights of the park, which is for me, probably the greatest yeah. atmosphere I've ever experienced that game. It's almost like we just, yeah, we went too early, they, they kind of, it, we just lost our way. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that final was just awful. I've never watched it back. That would be one of those, I've watched England-Germany in Euro 96 losing the semi, I watched that back. I don't think I could bring myself to watch the 2004 player (laughs) final again. Uh, It would just make me sick. I don't think I've ever seen highlights of it. I just remember aspects of it. But it it was awful. I found it so much worse than the two relegations I've experienced as a Yeah. Because you lose, you've got the pain of the relegation the previous year, amplified by the fact you've just lost the season, amplified by the fact you've got to do it again next year. You've got at least another year in the championship. And you've got to think, we're going to lose all our best players. It's going to be even Mm -hmm. harder next year. Yeah. I'm getting anxious talking about it. Like, <laughs> awful.
1: I remember. Also, I, I hope was, it doesn't happen. It was a famous trilogy of three trips to Cardiff, wasn't it, as well? So it was like, yeah. it was the first one. And it's, it's a two and a half hour car journey back. And it was yeah. so different I, as well because I was so, you know, it's like, you know, for the first time, it's you and me, really. It's like, we've never been yeah, in yeah. that situation where there was like a Wembley and all like a huge game, a huge yeah, final. Yeah. Um and I just remember Car- I just You know, I mean, personally, I I was always a fan. I mean, I loved Cardiff as a as sort of as a host of those yeah. type of games because, like, Wembley's can so sterile. You know, in the Wembley, and way. it's not a day out.
0: Like, no. you're on the tube for forty minutes, and then, <laughs> yeah. and then you're, on, you're like, it doesn't, it doesn't. I don't get, it's funny that, because I don't really get that excitement when West Ham played at Wembley. If Everyone's was oh, we're playing at Wembley. It's like, yeah. it's the strap, you can change it and get it's the change Jubilee line. Jubilee oh, yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. Yeah, I've been to see it, take that at Wembley. <laughs> I didn't really... Hard if I remember <laughs> I, really. I remember like they remember sort of we they divided the the city into half, really, don't they, and it's like and I yeah. remember and I think we had the same half, I think, for both all three seasons, all three times we've done it, and there was this oh, I just got this vision of this weather spoons. It there was a massive weather with like a two tier glass like window. And I just remember, it was just, all you could see was just West Ham fans and some bloke's arse just pressed up against, just mooning and everyone who went past. <laughs> and that was just, that's my abiding memory of Cardiff, unfortunately. But yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah good. In. Okay, we'll put Carrick yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. in. All right, was, I just want to say like that at that 2004 player final, I remember, I remember after we beat Ipswich and then we were like, oh, we're going, we're our big day out. We're going to go play in Cardiff in the playoff final. I remember saying, even if we lose, it'd be a fantastic day out. <laughs> I remember saying that. What an idiot! What the hubris!
1: <laughs> I, like, car up, I, yeah.
0: I, I remember after we lost, thinking. I said, "Why did I say that?" Yeah, it was awful. The worst experience I've ever had as a man. Yeah. I
1: remember, I remember driving there, and you put the, you know, we did the ribbons because, we, again, we we'd never done this before. Like had this all massive game, had all the ribbons around the car and all the, on uh, the windscreen mirrors, and you know, we got to the the toll bridge to go over the go over the. You know you have to pay your fiver to go get into get into wales but you have to pay it to get out and it was just west ham fans and like there was a massive traffic jam and they were honking their horns and and in the car it was actually it was it was a lovely day out apart from the (laughs) result but yeah (laughs) i went
0: with with my uncle and he um he brought along the hat he'd worn for the 1980 fa cup final (laughs) So he had a bag. I don't even know how he did it. I, mean, I think we got a limo as well, something weird like that. And he got in there, and he was like, I've got my bag here from the 1980 FA Cup final. He got it out and it was covered in blood. I was like, <laughs> its like, like, like I don't know what you call them, like, like the little kind of fabric hats. And I was like, yeah. what is this kind of "Bloody!" I just remembered I got in a fight after the nineteen eighty FA Cup <laughs> final, and he'd forgotten that he was covered in blood, so he had to stay in the bag. But you're oh. right, yeah. What if it, like that first big day out? in, got
1: yeah, 20... yeah. It was yeah. For us, great. it was our first big day, and then we had, then we got yeah. a bit spoiled for a bit, and and then yeah, and that's it. Um, until until obviously we went up again at Wembley, but. Um, Right, okay, so uh my 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 daughter was uh she was due on that day at at Blackpool. I remember that really clearly. Did you go of course you win, I've seen you. Yeah, of course, yeah. I went with uh I was uh I was chaperone to Hammerhead and Bubbles the Bear. Um (laughs) 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 show business, eh? Yeah, show business. And I remember three o'clock, literally I had a pint and I had my phone in the other hand and three o'clock the phone rang. And it was like, it was like a PPI call. I just, I was like literally, and then <laughs> three enough. days later she was born. And then, uh, then I oh, got into, then obviously I knew the, the, the trophy was going to be, I think it was at Romford, I think it was at Romford. Okay. So, um, Hall Church. so Romford and I got, uh, I knew the security guy, I knew Eddie on the security guard. So I said, like, can we, can I just nip in? Yeah, oh, Gormras! Yeah, I've got a picture of her in the cup. Like she's like poor, poor, poor cow. She's like you know three days old. Bonk. That's it. Too late. You're, you're <laughs> you done. Go. You're done. Uh, right. Okay, we'll put Carrick in. Uh, who's going to partner Carrick in in the midfield? Think
0: Controversially, some some of your viewers may argue I've picked two Judases, but I've gone for Frank Lampard Junior in that central midfield berth because again, you watch that. I think yeah, 97, 98, V8 season review. Yeah. He's so world-class. I'd never, like, up until that point, again, you've seen people like Ian Bishop, like John Moncur was good, you remember Danny Williamson, but nobody like Frank Lampard, again, who just quietly went about his business and he's stealing the show, providing assist, no-look passes, stuff like this. It was like seeing the world in 3D after everything had been 2D. That The way the, team, the West Ham team changes around 98 yeah. is incredible and Frank Lampard is such a major part of that. He was such a good player for us, and I, I remember when he when he left to Chelsea. I remember thinking, "Oh, that's annoying, but that's all right." Yeah. Again, because you just assume there's going to be another Frank Lampard coming through, and it's like you just—I was kind of prepared to let him go. And when he went to Chelsea, Chelsea weren't that much of a bigger club than us at the no. time. That was pre-Abramovich. But looking, but I mean, he was always going to be a world-class player. And the, that famous Harry Redknapp interview where he's at roller bowl and someone says, um, yeah. I can't remember who the player is, it Lee Boylan, or someone says, why are you not playing, why are you playing Frank Lampard and not this young lad? And Harry Redknapp says, there's going to be no comparison between what Frank Lampard achieves and that other player. And you just look at it, he's won yeah. everything. He's played at World yes. Cups for England. He just had that determination and the ability to just. Turn games on the head and score goals. When you look at how many goals he scored for Chelsea and also how many goals he scored for West Ham from midfield. Mm. I think what I'd like to have in my team is like Carrick sitting at the back holding role, Effrington, the man on reveal in the second on the right. But then yeah, Frank Lampard kind of bombing on, getting on behind the front too, scoring goals. He should have become a West Ham legend. I think if it had been born in his dad's era, he would have probably had a similar career and won yeah. fantastic stuff. Yeah. Just again a tragedy of the modern era that we weren't able to keep on to him.
1: Yeah, yeah, I totally agree. Rollerball, God dear Collie, remember that. Still God, there in it. Still there. There's a nice there's a nice Indian restaurant there, apparently. Is it? Yeah, there's a at nice, the top, apparently, anyway. for so, yeah, uh, so the who don't know me and Chris live quite close to each other. Um, <laughs> <laughs> right, okay. You've already told him he's going on the right. You've told us Pyatt's going on the right anyway. Oh yeah, sorry. Don't yeah. worry, yeah, so. That's your, mid- field, your midfield. Right, let's go up front. Who who's gonna who's gonna be sort of your your goal guessers?
0: So, watching back over those season reviews, one goal scorer sticks out in the modern era. Refer, of course, to John Hartson, yeah. who is just unplayable in that, I think, is it the 97-98 season? He, come, yeah. he comes in 96-97, um, saves us in the last few months, and then 97-98, Harry that brings in uh, Trevor Sinclair and, and players like that to support him, Eil Berkovic, and John Hartson is just scoring for fun. Yeah. Big, like, I've gone for a big man, little man-esque. Good kind of thing you will hear about John Hartson, just an absolute brute of a man. And again, you come out of that period where it's like Tony Cotty, Ian Dow your strikers. And then suddenly you've got Hartson and Kitson. But Hartson was just, he was up there with Andy Cole. I think he might have just finished second by in the Premier League top like scorer yeah, 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 he scored absolutely. Shit like but also the kinds of goals he scores like headers he's like beating keepers one-on-ones making runs he's scoring from 30 yards he was just unplayable that year Un- unbelievable player i would never really seen a striker like that no. maybe a little bit of Trevor Morley maybe a little bit of Clive Allen in hindsight but John Hartson had all the capabilities you want from a world-class mm. striker if you could capture John Hartson's form in a bottle that year you would want it in your all time West Ham 11, yeah. and anyone who says otherwise is a liar.
1: <laughs> and and, and, I don't, and also, again, like watching those those reviews, I forgot how much of a good player Berkovic was as well. Uh, the frugal, and his little, yeah. the little through balls, it was just amazing. And again, if he was playing for a top four team, he would be one of the all time greats. Um, I know.
0: Uh, and I guess that Hartson kicking his head off is, again, one, one of the. Another tragedy of the West Ham modern era because they would, them two were a great partnership, they were, yeah, yeah. And Hart said after that 97 98 season, he came back and I think wasn't it allegedly, wasn't he? He got he piled on the pounds, I think, in the summer, but he wasn't quite the same player no. the next season. Yeah, yeah. And I don't remember Berkovich being either after mm. he booted his head off. And it was like, I think that dynamic really did change, I think it hurt the team a lot. Yeah. Um, but people say that that kind of thing happened all the time in training, but I don't know if I believe that because it really well, did well. A, you don't know, the, do, do you? Thing?
1: Well, yeah. I know I, I had, we had, um, we had Bertie Braley on the channel and his first ever West Ham first team training session was that training session. <laughs> so he got called oh, over. You- he got called over him. I believe. Yeah. Obviously people go back and have a look at it, but, um, he went, I think he was him and Joe got called over by yeah. Harry and, uh, <laughs> literally five minutes in that happened. And, uh, that was the last one of the last times he trained with the first team since then. Yeah. No, absolutely brilliant. put him, yeah, no, definitely. And I, I mean, yeah, again, you know, very rarely does a, you know, obviously he, him and Kitson, you know, when they came in, obviously there was a lot, lots of protests and things like that, you know, about the board and things like that. And then they, they came in and we just hit the ground money, didn't it? Them two. Oh, just, yeah.
0: you'd never seen as a West Ham fan, you'd never seen something like that before. No you'd never seen two strikers with that dangerous and it could score that easily. That, 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 I think, is it their debut? Is it coming? Oh, I thought it was their debut, but maybe I, now i watch those season reviews. I don't think it is, but that night under the lights against Spurs, we win four three yeah, yeah, March, yeah, yeah. 97, I think it is that yeah. just come in that, that game. If you've watched that season review, look at how everything changes in that game. Yeah got the wind like the idea of beating the Spurs a few weeks ago was like unthinkable you had like crap like Rudder Choyu Hearts and the Kitson come in and we scored four goals having not really scored in the kind of weeks up leading up to it yeah it just changed Hearts and Kitson just changed that whole team and, and yeah. as a West Ham fan you would never really seen a striker come in and just light everything up like that it was such a good player for us
1: it's very true and I remember I remember Kitson because I think Kitson like because I, I used to be in Loughton and I think Kitson I remember seeing him in Woolworths, oh, God. My, my Siri, my Siri's just come on there for some reason. Um, now I saw Kitson in, in Woolworths with like the biggest bag of pick a mix I've ever seen. It was almost like a bin bag of pick mix. I had this vision of him going back and just resting it and eating fried eggs, you know, but it was just, yeah, He's the it, it was brilliant. He was, I loved them as, as a pair. So, what, got, what what great goss for
0: anyone who's still tuning in at this point. There we <laughs> go, there we
1: go. Exclusive, <laughs> exclusive content for you. Right, and who's going to partner Hartson then in this in this uh, 11?
0: I mean, surely everyone is going to say this, but it had to be Paolo DiCanio. Yeah. Again, yeah, I've kind of picked this team around players that I find exciting and dynamic and just makes you so excited as a West Ham fan to kind of turn up and watch West Ham play. And Paolo DiCanio was for a time the most exciting player in the world. I mean, not only was he amazing for us, he really kind of permeated like the public cultural consciousness about footballers, like in a way that West Ham players have never really before, or maybe even since, like him doing that imperial leather advert. Everybody knows who Paolo Di Canio is. Yeah. I'm not sure there'd been a West Ham player in the modern era before that you could say that yeah. about. No. Maybe, maybe, you know, some of like Rio and Frank and the players that come through then. But Paolo Di Canio was a bona fide like Hollywood movie star playing for us. And I remember I'd mentioned it earlier, but we had Hugo Porfirio a few years yeah. before. He came in and he was excited, and people were really kind of excited about what he could do on a football pitch. But when Paolo Di Canio came in, it was a whole new world. Yeah. He is just unbelievable. Like yeah. the things he would do on a football pitch boggle the mind, so creative. He had pace, he would score unbelievable goals, and the passion, I think, is why he will be most remembered by West Ham fans, is the passion he had for West Ham. The fact that he would wear his heart on a sleeve, typical kind of emotive Italian. You Now I think back, he had all the attributes from like the, the player that, for a player that West Ham fans would love the most. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Creative, exciting, passionate, Hard working, dedicated, motivated. He dragged that team onto it, that, that extra level. Mm. I think was it we we finished fifth around yeah. the time that he was playing. He dragged that team up, and also it was just such a spectacle to watch us play. Mm. It was so exciting, and everybody knew who Paolo Decanio was. Yeah, and you just watch his goals. Yeah, like if, if I haven't convinced you now, <laughs> <that> goal <laughs> against Wimbledon. Yeah. the ones he scored against Coventry, that goal against Arsenal that was on the other day that was the anniversary. He shorts them uh,
1: backwards. Yeah shorts and backwards. Mm.
0: He's like a magician. It's, okay. not, it's not even football. It's art. I think yeah. I tweeted that recently. The things he was doing are so creative and never really seen anyone at the time do something like that. The way he turned players inside out. I love him
1: so much. And uh, there's got, no way I couldn't got, have a West Ham a without him. Exactly. He just got us, you know, got us as fans. There's not many players or even foreign players that say that who, who got that connection with the fans and he still loves West Ham, you know, and he is, you yeah, saw his little, he's lock, tattoo. lock he's got a tattoo. He was doing those keepy uppies and singing bubbles in like a 1950s shirt, not even like a match worn oh. shirt. Someone's gone and bought that, or he's an agent or he's bought it himself, but you know, still, uh, and yes, you know, ridiculously short shorts, but he, he was just, he was just brilliant, weren't he? And like, oh. someone was saying about it the other day, you know, about Paolo and I, said, and I said, just just watch that Bradford game. Find it because that encapsulated him. He was mesmeric. He was, you know, uh, he throw his toys out of the pram. And he'd fight with them. Exactly, and he was brilliant. He shouted. He, he nicked a ball. He fought, fought with Frank for the penalty. You know, but yeah. it was just Paolo, and yeah. he and I think we we love those types of players at West Ham.
0: That's a great example that Bradford game because I, I always say, especially if we're doing something like beat the Batek at halftime, but I say like, we're in the entertainment industry, this yeah. is entertainment like I know it's I know it's sport and I know we're here ultimately to play a game of football. But this is entertainment and we're yeah. here to entertain people and make them feel different things. And that Bradford game is such a perfect example of how Paolo Di Canio was that because he was frustrating. He was a genius, like he was temperamental. In that game, you've got the whole kind of gamut of paladical emotions yeah, exactly. where he's getting fouled unjustly. Like, it's almost like a tragedy or an opera that game. Because he's getting, he's getting fouled, <laughs> he's getting frustrated on? with the ref. He's like, take me off, I don't want to play anymore. And you just you're like, who is this guy? And then he drags himself up, scores a goal, grabs the ball, brings it back. Like, he, he's mm. frustrating and a genius, but you can't argue that he is box office. Yeah. You want to watch Paolo Di Canio yeah. play, and as West Ham fans, I was so proud that we had a player like that who was who had kind of yeah who had re- hit that public consciousness, who everybody talked about. He's a, even now people know him as a character. Yeah, and West Ham like West Ham fans still so proud that he played for West Ham. And when he does stuff like that video where he's doing Keep It Up, he's in the West Ham It almost makes me want to cry. The fact. I, 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 a legend like Paolo Di Canio that he choose to, chose to play for us and he was as good as he was yeah. and made us as good as we were in that time as well is still a constant source of pride to me. And yeah. I love him. <laughs>
1: I think everyone loves him to be honest. Yeah. <laughs> but as you said, no, he's brilliant. And and that completes a pretty tasty team, Chris, I must say. Yeah. It, I mean, you know, with, well, you know, with Paet, Di Canio, oh, could you imagine, could you imagine? Together. Together, final. Temperamental temperamental and obviously this right, is for so this I'll is for this a, team, pardon. but I think all of them are handed in transfer requests within six yeah, months. Exactly. And Except this is maybe obviously, Matty Effrington. Yeah, this is this is a home <laughs> this is for home games, obviously, because anywhere north of Watford, Paolo won't play. <laughs> so we can put We can put Steve Lomas in anyway for the away games, but um, play one up front. Chris, it's been absolutely brilliant. Thank you so, so much. Thank
0: you for having me. I love that, so
1: much fun to do. Really good. Thank you to everyone else. Hopefully, if you're still watching, um, it's been great fun. And obviously like, share, subscribe, obviously download and subscribe to the, the podcast, you know, quickly Kevin and also the football's guide to football. Uh, and also, you know, the West Ham one, you know, the West Ham, the Hammers at home quiz as well. That'll be coming up soon. Yeah. Uh, and until next time, guys, sports social podcast network, step into the
0: world of power, loyalty,